All right, good morning, everyone. Welcome back. Coming to you live from the CBS Community College of Summerton, Philadelphia. Um, beginning a beautiful, brand new week over here. Um, week of the nine days. The nine days part is not so beautiful. That, unfortunately, is this is the saddest week of the year, leading up to the saddest day of the year. But it's beautiful in the sense that we're all able to get back together and continue here with Derech Hashem. And we're towards the end of the third chilek. I'm getting ready to wrap up the third chilek over here. Uh, we're not going to start the fourth section of the Sefer. That I think we'll wait either for Elul or for Wintersman. Um, we'll find something to do for the you know remaining few days of this week. We are two paragraphs from the end of wrapping up the entire third section, which is all on the topic of prophecy, which means we are in Chela Gimel, Perikei, Simon, Vav. Gimel, Hey, Vav. And the Ramchal, in this final chapter on the topic of prophecy, has been comparing and contrasting, really more contrasting than comparing, the level of prophecy of Maish Rabbeinu to that of the other prophets. And as we saw, we make two different categories when it comes to Nevi'im. There is Maish Rabbeinu. Maish Rabbeinu is in one category. And everyone who is not Maisha is in the other category. And we're looking at the differences in the level of, of Nevuah. We saw that uh, one fundamental difference we saw towards the end of last week, that when a, a standard prophet, anyone who's not Moshe kind of prophet, has to receive Nebuah, so his body shuts down. His senses are, are deactivated. His perceptions are, are uh, switched off. He has to leave this existence. He has to leave his body. And it goes into the seizures, convulsions. His body can't handle it. And his body can't be a part of it. He has to allow his upper neshama to, to, to rise up and climb and bond with God. And that's something that overwhelms the body and the body can't be a part of it. Rabbeinu, we saw, is able to have a Nevu experience with God, Zvekas with God, in a conscious state. Without any convulsions, without seizures, without having to, to, to uh, leave this body behind, Moshe could be sitting across the table and at the table with us and be looking at us and be talking to us, but also be talking to God at the same time, be visualizing God and us Visualizing God, bonding with God as He is present with us, he doesn't have to leave this existence behind. And the reason behind that is, Moshe has a higher physicality than we do. He has a physicality which is not a impediment to his prophecy. It's not an opposition to that state of Dveikos. It can be part of the Dveikos. He doesn't have to leave it behind. So the Mechal continues. We're going to see another difference, two more differences between the Nevu of Moshe and the Nevu of everyone else. Another difference that we find between the prophecy of all of the prophets in Moshe. All other Nevi'im, their Nevu experience is not up to them. They don't have the the behest and and the freedom and the prerogative to decide whenever they want to have Nevu. In other words, they are beholden to God. It is dependent on God. Whenever God deems it fit to share Nevu'ah with them, that's when they receive it. But they can't solicit it on their own. They can't initiate it on their own, the other prophets. When HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants to bond with them, wants to share His enlightenment and, 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 and information and, and wisdom and Hashem's essence with the prophets, that's when it happens with Hashem's terms and Hashem's Whim and will. That's when Hayamasha Shifai Alayim Umisnabim, that's when Hashem would pour his radiance upon them and they would receive prophecy. 
That's all other prophets, anyone that's not Moshe. They don't have the wherewithal to decide when and where they want to receive prophecy. It's up to HaKadosh Baruch when the Rebunshim summons them and Hashem confers prophecy upon them. Ah, Moshe. Moshe Rabbeinu, however, Hadavr Hayatali Birtzainoi. The matter was up to him. Was, 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 um, left to his prerogative. And at his behest. It was in Moshe's hands and at Moshe's um, doorstep to decide when and where he wants to bond with God and receive prophecy from God. He could initiate it. He could actually initiate it. And we just had this several times over the last few parshas, including the parsha we just read a couple days ago on Shabbos. Twice we already had in the whole narrative of the daughters of Tzolavchad, of Enoise Tzolavchad, we had situations where P- Maisha was approached first by the Benay Salafchad, the daughters of Salafchad, who everyone knows the story. The story begins in Pinchas and concludes in Masay. Um, in Pinchas, we're told that uh, the daughters of Salafchad had a petition. They were um, only female descendants of their father. And, you know, this is a question you can throw at to school kids everywhere. Yeshiva guys too. What was the name of the father of the father of the Benoist Tzalavchad? What was their father's name? The Benoist Tzalavchad. Father's name was Tzalavchad, of course, because Benoist Tzalavchad means the daughters of Tzalavchad. So, um, you know, another you ask people, what was the name? Who is Yeshua Benun's father? That's right. So sometimes people get it, sometimes they fall for it. So the do- what, what was Moshe's last name? Yeah, so the, 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 the father of the Benoist Tzolavchad was Tzolavchad, of course. And Tzolavchad passed away without leaving any male descendants, without leaving any male heirs. Um, and they came to Moshe, and they, you know, Moshe and Pinchas is dividing up Eretz Yisrael, apportioning out of the inheritances, and it was, um, went from father to son. And they came to Moshe, they said, well, our father didn't leave behind any sons, so uh, it should go to us. And Moshe was left... Um, uh, with, with, that, with that response. He didn't know what exactly he was supposed to do with them. And he said, you know, I wasn't given that halacha, what we do in a situation, or some, Chazal say elsewhere that he knew it, but he forgot it because uh, he, um, he uh, had gotten upset earlier. We find three places where Moshe got a little slightly upset and he forgot halachas. In any case, he told Ben Yisrael, I don't have a response for you. I don't have the answer. But let me go ask Hashem, Imdu ve'eshmo, ma'adib Hashem. One moment, I'm going to go see what Hashem says. So he needed to consult with Hashem. He needed to, to, to receive, to channel divine prophecy from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And, and uh, Rashi, over there in Pinchas, makes it a point, to speaking this out, that no other prophet could say such a thing. No other prophet could say, one moment, let me see what God has to say. Only Maisha can say that, because Maisha could solicit prophecy whenever he wanted. He could initiate whenever he wanted. What? No, where did Pinchas say that? Oh, no, Bilam. 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 Bilam is separate. Bilam was given to the Gaim to be their replacement of Moshe Rabbeinu. But in terms of the Jewish prophets, everything we've been talking about over here is Jewish prophets. Okay. So Moshe is the only one, but that's very good. Good for you, though, Moshe. 
Good for you. Uh, Moshe is the only one that was from the Jewish prophets that was ever ever able to say, one moment, let me go check in with God and see what God says. Not Avram was able to say this, not Yitzchak, not Yaakov. The prophets could daven. They could try to make themselves worthy of prophecy. But no one was able to say with confidence, you know, I'll, I'll go ask God. I'll say what God says. One moment. And Moshe did that not just once with the Benayi Salaf, but he did it the second time also. In Masay, there was a counter-argument that the, the, the remainder of Ephraim said, well, they're going to get this inheritance. They're going to marry out of the tribe. And... and um, they're going to marry out of the tribe, and uh, our tribe is going to lose their inheritance. So Moshe once again said, okay, let me talk to God, let me see what God says. But you see, this is the, it's a psukim, explicit psukim in the Torah, this idea of the Ramchal, that Moshe had a higher level of prophecy. Moshe was able to say, whenever he wanted, at, at, at his behest, um, I'm going to go speak to God, I'm going to see what God has to say. He was able to solicit and initiate prophecy whenever he wanted. Other prophets, they had to wait for it to come from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Now, well, what's the vort behind this? So, as we did, as we saw last week also, you know, we have to do, learn this on two levels. A, learn it on, 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 the, on, on, the, on the surface level that Ramchal is presenting us with differences between the prophecy of Moshe and the prophecy of all other prophets. And we have to appreciate this. So this is the second difference that we see. Actually, not just the second. I mean, we saw... There's a third or the fourth difference. So other differences in terms of of the lenses, how many lenses there were that were separating God from the prophet. What the quality of that lens was that was really the first two differences. The Moshe only had one aspaklaria between him, the Rebbein Shalalim, and there was an aspaklaria hameira, an unblemished, uh, a, a scratch-free, scratch-resistant lens. That was Moshe versus the other prophets. We saw also that. Um, Moshe can receive prophecy in a waking state. We saw Moshe receives clear prophecy without any riddles. Um, so we're really numbering them. This is at least the fifth or the sixth difference between Moshe and everyone else. But we have to understand also the depth, the, 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 the meaning behind this. Why is it that indeed Moshe can initiate prophecy whenever he wants and all other Nevi'im have to wait for the Rebbein Shalom to send them prophecy? Much as we had to understand last week, the difference between Moshe receiving prophecy in his waking state and all the prophets not. So this is very, very much linked to that and connected to that. And the same way we saw last week that, that Moshe doesn't have to go into seizures and convulsions. He doesn't have to lose consciousness to receive Nebuah. He can receive in his waking state because his physicality doesn't get in the way. His physicality is a higher level of physicality. He has a goof that was not retainted by and recontaminated by the Cheda Ego. His physicality was not brought down. He has a goof that can accompany his neshama to that Tveka's experience, so he doesn't have to, to go into uh, an extrasensory, extra, uh, extra physical experience, his physicality can handle it. So very much hand-in-hand hand with that is this idea that we're learning this morning right now, that all other prophets um, are dependent on HaKadosh Baruch Hu, beholden to God, waiting for God to share prophecy with them. It's not on their terms, it's not at their behest. But Moshe can initiate prophecy whenever he wants, and the reason behind that is Again, this goes very much together with the other idea. It's a question of existence. Where do you exist? Where do you exist? Um, you you exist primarily down here, or do you exist up there and down here? Moshe has a very different, a fundamentally different existence. Where he is? Where is he? Where is Moshe? And we have to start by asking, where, where are we? Where's the Nevi'im? Where do the Nevi'im exist? Where do we exist? Now, we're not Nevi'im, but we have a common 
point of existence with all the other Navim. All the other Navim, Avram, Yitzchak, Yaakov, Yeshai, Yecheskel, Yermiyahu, Yeshua, all other prophets, they're down here. This is where they are. They're down here. Like we are. We're, we're down here. They're anchored and granted down here. Nevuah is them paying a visit to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. They have to leave the body behind. They have to meditate, dwell, transcend, elevate. And they have to climb up the rungs of their own existence and, 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 and transfer their primary existence from down to here to up there. Visit Hashem. They're visiting Hashem. During the war, they're visiting Hashem. It's going and knocking on the door. It's giving the Rebbein Shalalam a ring. So, if I want to get in touch with my dad, my dad is home. Sure. I know where he lives. I can knock at the door. I can pick up the phone and call him up. That's me. What? Whether he answers or not. That's me going through, through the phone lines. That's me going to his house and knocking on the door. And he's there. I know where he lives. I know how to get a hold of him. But it's up to him to answer or not. He can decide to answer. He can decide not to answer. It's me that's knocking at the door. It's me that is bringing my existence to there, but I'm not there. I'm over here. And it's up to him whether or not he wants to respond. Give me the time of day. He may choose to, may choose not to, my dad. Depending on, you know, the circumstances, depending on the conditions. And, and, and he is able to call the shots because I, I, I'm not there. I'm, I'm here. I'm here. And I'm still here. I'm just kind of bringing myself to him temporarily through the phone lines or by walking out to visit him and, and knocking at the door. That's every other Navi through his meditation, through his transcendence, through these exercises that he's been trained and instructed in. So what he's doing is he's, you know, navigating his way through the phone lines, through the telegraph wires, through the streets to find, you know, HaKadosh Baruch Hu's house, as it were, to knock on the door. Maybe the Rebbein will open the door. Maybe he won't. Maybe he'll pick up the phone. Maybe he won't pick up the phone. It depends on what's going on, what's cooking by HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Moshe Rabbeinu exists somewhere else. Moshe Rabbeinu is in the house. He's in the house. doesn't have to go to Hashem's house. He doesn't have to call Hashem on the phone. He is in the Rebbein Shalom's house wherever he goes because that's where his existence is. He does exist down here as well. But as much as he exists down here, he's also existing up there. That goes hand in hand. It's part and parcel of his body, his physicality, not being in the way. His physicality is not in the way. is not a barrier. is not a buffer. And that means that as much as he exists down here, he's also actively, 24-7, existing where his neshama is. And his neshama is there in the Rebbeinah Shalalim's house. And, and the Pasuk says, we'll see that Ramchal himself will quote this Pasuk as we continue, um, when HaKadosh Baruch we saw gets, gets upset in Baal Oishchad, Aaron and Miriam for saying Lashon Haran Moshe so the Rebbein Shem says to them Bechol Beisi Nemanhu he is faithful and reliable and trusted in my house Bechol Beisi that's the Lashon of the Pasuk Bechol Beisi Nemanhu and in my, within my house he is trusted he's reliable and he's faithful within my house and that's one of the differences between Moshe and Aaron and Miriam Moshe is Beisi Bechol Beisi is in the house Moshe is in the house. Aaron and Miriam are not in the house. They visit the house. They knock on the door. They call up. The phone rings in the house. They're trying to make it into the house, but it's Abtakosh Baruch if he wants to pick up the phone, if he wants to answer the door. Moshe is there. He's there. He's in the house. And as such, whenever he wants, you know, I'm in the same house as my dad. My, my father's right here at the table. I'm right here at the table. Whenever I want, I strike up a conversation with my father who's right here. I'm always in his presence. Moshe is always in the Rebbein Shalom's presence. 
even in his waking conscious state. And, and again, that goes hand in hand with the fact that his physicality is not an obstacle to his dvekas. His, 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 his body is uh, on such a high madrega, it was purified and it was never recontaminated by the Cheda Ego, that it doesn't get in the way of that bonding experience. Wherever he goes, he is in constant touch, constant contact, and he can initiate a conversation whenever he wants. Again, like that kid who lives in his father's dining room, who lives and his father doesn't go anywhere, he doesn't go anywhere. At the same time, Moshe's feet are planted down here. He's interacting with Kleistral. He exists down here, but he also constantly, Rand the clock is existing up there. So that's what's going on in that in, in understanding that difference between Moshe and all of the prophets that are not Moshe. All the prophets have to make a pick up the phone, have to knock at the door, and maybe or maybe not Hashem will answer. Oh, it says Ramchal, another difference between Moshe and all other prophets. Sharanavim, all other prophets that are not Moshe, all other prophets are only able to fathom, are only able to perceive what Hashem shares with them. Meaning, they have limited airtime with God and they get limited illumination from God. Prophecy is ultimately... Hashem's essence, Hashem's knowledge, Hashem's wisdom, Hashem's information. That's what prophecy is. And from the full range of that wisdom of God, the essence of God, the illumination and information of God, so all other prophets get a very narrow slice, whatever it is specifically that God wants to reveal to them, that and nothing more. All other prophets. Avram, Yitzhak, Yaakov, Aaronachai, Yeshua, Yeshai, Yecheskel, Yirmiyahu, all other prophets out there are only privy to the 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 um, specific ideas and information that Hashem decides to share with them. They don't have the wherewithal, again, or the prerogative to, on their own, access the, 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 the entire data bank of all the information of Hashem, the essence of Hashem, at their will and at their uh, whim. They don't have the ability to do that. They receive whatever Hashem shares with them. Moshe, on his level, again, here's the next fundamental difference between the prophecy of Moshe Rabbeinu and the prophecy of all of the Nevi'im. Everything was open to him. All of Hashem's wisdom, essence, information was an open book. Hashem didn't have to, you know, share, withhold, or conceal. It wasn't up to, it wasn't dependent on what Hashem decides to share with Moshe at that given point in time. Everything was open to Moshe, everything was revealed to Moshe. Moshe was able to investigate everything and search everything and access the entire grand data bank, so to speak, of Hashem's essence, Hashem's enlightenment, Hashem's information. The keys, i.e., the access points to all possible information that is humanly possible, says the Ramchal, <coughs> to be given to a human being, were given to Moshe. Now, why does Ramchal say, anything that can, is humanly possible to give to a human being? Because there's still level information and levels of Hashem's essence that are, are not accessible to anyone, including Moshe Rabbeinu. Because at the end of the day, as we keep mentioning, Moshe is still a human being. Moshe is still immortal. And Moshe is still not Hashem. Moshe got the closest humanly possible that a human being can get to Hashem without being Hashem. And... That's why even Moshe has to have one lens, one filter, as we saw. He has to have one aspaclaria. Although that aspaclaria, that one lens that Moshe has, is totally, totally flawless 
and totally clear and clean and scratch-free and scratch-resistant, it, it transfers, relays everything beautifully, perfectly to Moshe, but it still has to go through one filter. Being that Moshe is not Hashem, that's that one filter that he needs, can't bond with Hashem and still be Moshe. That, that puts a, a damper also on, on the information. There's going to be one level of information, one madrega of, of wisdom, of enlightenment that you can never access. That's why Chazal say that there were 50, 50 chambers of wisdom that were created and 49 out of them were given to Moshe. And only Moshe was able to get 49, but even Moshe couldn't get the 50th. This also goes together with, you know, Paraduma, we say, was not, was, was not unlocked by Moshe. Moshe Benu couldn't understand the Paraduma. Um, that is, uh, is, uh, um, well, the Shlomo Melch is the one that said that. Shlomo Melch says that he can't understand Paraduma. But Chazal say that Moshe got 49 out of 50 levels of wisdom. And the final, ultimate level of wisdom that Moshe is not zeichet to is, you know, the, the, the essence of God that, that, that you have to be God to, uh, be, be privy to. And that's the one thing that Moshe can never overcome. The one thing that Moshe can never surmount is the fact that he's still ultimately Moshe and not a Kodesh Baruch Hu. But, in terms of everything beyond that, everything outside of that, the rest of Hashem's chambers of knowledge and, and essence and illumination and information, Moshe has total access to that and and constant access to that. It doesn't have to be decided and handpicked by God what Moshe will receive. And again, that's by virtue of the fact that Moshe is there in Hashem's chambers. Hashem is there, Moshe is there together with the Rebbein Shalalim, rather. Moshe is there it's not that he needs to, you know, go to the librarian and ask to borrow library books. That's all the other Nevi'im. And the librarian maybe will lend them out, maybe won't lend them out. Maybe will say, you can have this. Maybe will say, it's already checked out. It's, you, can, you can read this, you can't read this. They have to ask permission in Baruch by the other Nevi'im to decide what they're going to be granted access to. Moshe has constant access to everything because he is present there in the Rebbeinah Shalalim's palace, in his throne room, the information is right there. And the only thing that he can't access again is not because Hashem is not allowing him to access, it's because it's beyond his abilities to access. It's out of his reach. This is what is meant by the Pasuk. In all of my house, Moshe is faithful. Moshe is reliable. Moshe is trusted. And the emphasis is Beisi. He's there in the house. That's the idea over here. Moshe is in the Rebbeinah Shalom's house. He's present in Akash Baruch Hu's house, whereas no one else is actually in Hashem's house. They're knocking at the door, they're giving the Rebbein Shalom a ring. And it is also written, Rebbein Shalom says, I shall um, run all of my toiv al panecha, I will present you with all of my goodness, all of my muchness, all of my essence, everything that I have, I will present you, everything that you're physically, mortally, Humanly capable of receiving, I will present to you, and Hashem only makes a statement to Moshe Rabbeinu, not to the other prophets, because the other prophets are on the outside looking in. Moshe is on the inside looking out. And uh, that wraps up Simon Vav. That brings us to the final paragraph in this parak, which in Mitzvah Hashem we will continue with tomorrow. In the meantime, everyone should have a wonderful, wonderful today. And, Tomorrow we are looking at doing the final paragraph and wrapping up Rabbi Sai, the third section of Der Hashem. Tomorrow will hopefully be a very big day. 
in the annals of Summerton. And thank you all for joining. We'll see you tomorrow. And have a wonderful today.